Good morning everyone. Welcome to the High Kirk this Sunday morning. Uh, warm welcome if you're visiting. Uh, it's great to have you here and hope you enjoy the service and relax in God's presence. Welcome too to all those listening uh, from home, either online or on the telephone. A few intimations this morning. Uh, after the morning service, please feel free to join us for refreshment in St Monarch's Isle. And the services yeah, during the week are the usual ones. Wednesday, we've got the Rain- Rainbow Club at 10, Prayer Fellowship at 10.30, Discipleship Group at 1, and Guild Brigade at 6. And then Thursday, uh, we have uh, the High Kirk Guild at 1.30. And on Friday, 7pm prayer time in St Monarch's Isle, followed by the Revival Fellowship meeting at 7.30 in the Manse. Um, we note there about uh, uh, articles for Challenge magazine. If you've got something you'd like to contribute, please send it to, to Ruth. A uh, few extra intimations. Um, if, like me, this is me showing off. Well, I don't know if I can get something out of my pocket. I've got an envelope of stamps that I've received, especially over Christmas and things like that. If you've got used stamps and you wonder what to do with them, there's a box over in the corner there. They just bring them in and put them in that box and uh, Phil and Ursula will be very happy to receive them. There's a coffee morning uh, on Saturday the 18th of February at the, the bookshop at Adelaide College. Uh, they come back to God campaign in Salkets. It's from 11am to 2pm and all are welcome. Um, on a sort of sad note, it's saddened to hear this morning uh, of Jean Robertson's passing. Jean is affectionately known to us all here at the High Kirk as Auntie Jean. Please remember the family in your prayers and we'll let you know as soon as we can of the funeral arrangements. And for those who have a connection with our dear church, the funeral service of Mrs MacDonald of Arnview Nursing Home will be held at Holmesford Bridge Crematorium on Monday the 20th of February at 12.30. Uh, and then there will be a private family graveside service will be held in Troon for one of our members, Margaret Brimley, who passed a few weeks ago. Although this is for family only, we're delighted that we're able to hold a Thanksgiving service here at the High Kirk on Friday the 10th of March at 10am in, in memory of Margaret. Also, um, just for, for prayer, Helen Wilson's sister died um, either yesterday or this morning. So if you could remember Helen and her family in prayer, that would be much appreciated. Now hand over to Scott, and he will lead us. I'll praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Your wonders I'll proclaim. I will rejoice in you most high and praise your holy name. Sing praises to the Lord who sits in Zion on his throne. Among the nations of the world, proclaim what he has done. Well, let's stand as we sing in our opening hymn, O let me hear the voice of my beloved. Now, it may not be a, the words may not be well known to you, but you'll know the tune, so you'll be able to sing as we worship together. So let's stand as we worship.
Let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate this morning your presence with us. For in your presence there is such a fullness of love, joy, and peace. And so may we rest in your everlasting arms. Oh, to rest from our worries and fears, to rest from the stresses of life, or oh, to rest and to be held in your love. And so, Lord, we pray especially that your immense love and grace would roll like a mighty ocean in its fullness over us as we worship this morning. Oh, let praise arise. And may your Holy Spirit Descend in all his fullness of power, where we may be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus our Saviour. Lord, wash us clean of all our sins, oh, that we may rest now in your forgiveness, your mercy and grace, 
And Lord, may that ocean, full of blessing, refresh and revive us. And Lord, we do carry this morning also heavy hearts as we hear of so many lost loved ones and dear friends. And especially here at the High Kirk. Lord, we do pray for families who are grieving this day. And for the High Kirk family too. Lord, lift our hearts. Continue to thrill our souls with Jesus. And now, Lord, as we give thanks, we join together in the Lord's prayers, praying together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The reading this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, and that can be found on page 71 of the Pew Bible. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Amen. Well, can we return to our reading there in Exodus? In Exodus chapter 12. And we're continuing in our series looking at this journey to freedom from slavery to Sinai, or from bondage to blessing. And here we are now in chapter 12. And we notice that 
Israel are told to remember. This word will come up time and time again. Remember, remember, remember. Why would God keep reminding Israel to remember? Well, because it would be so easy to forget. And Israel did. They would forget time and time again. Notice through the Bible how often God says, remember. In Nehemiah chapter 4 at verse 14, we're told, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We're to remember the greatness of God. And we're never to forget. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 at verse 1 tells us, remember your creator in the days of your youth. God wants to remind children. Remember God. It's, God is not just for adults. Remember God in your youth, when you're young, when your heart is soft and tender, when your heart is open, when life hasn't hardened it, and where experience has caused your heart just to be so distrustful of those around you and and just everything, where you just feel as if your heart is so clammed up that, oh, I don't believe anything anymore. And so the Lord reminds us, oh, remember your creator. Remember God in your youth, in your younger years especially. In Psalm 105, at verse 5, we're told, remember the wonderful works he has done. Remember God, what he's done for us in the past. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And, in, and Paul, when he writes in his second letter to Timothy, there in chapter 2 at verse 8, we're told, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Don't forget, he is risen. Jesus is alive, he's here with us. His presence, we know his presence, we know his love, his joy. Don't forget Jesus. He is risen indeed. He's here for us. Jesus said when two or more are gathered, I guarantee you, you never need to doubt, I am there, I'm with you. And I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Theologians used to talk of the presence of God in different ways. They used to say that in the Bible you, you hear of God's imminent presence. That's whether you feel him or not. That's where you just know God says, I'm with you always. And therefore we can trust God that he's with us. Now you may not feel him. You may not see him. He's the invisible God. And so we don't see him. But yet our heart witnesses Yes, he's here. But then theologians have often talked as well of the manifest presence. And that's when you feel. That's when you feel the presence of God. And that's often the presence, you know, in revival. When you hear of revivals, when crowds begin to flock the church again from the youngest to the oldest, when people begin to take an interest in the gospel, and when they know encounters with God where their hearts that were once so hard are now softened, they put their trust in the Lord when once they were so hardened towards God. 
They didn't. Hardened atheists, militant atheists, have come to know the manifest presence of God, where their hearts have been totally changed. And now they've devoted their heart, their life, their service to the King of Kings. Now that's when we encounter the manifest presence of God. And that's what I pray for every Sunday. I love that God is with us. I love his imminent presence. But oh, I pray day by day that we would know and experience his manifest presence. That we can know a felt Christ. That we can know his presence fill the sanctuary and your heart. That you can leave here today saying, I know, I know he was there. He's with me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. But you know, theologians often talk as well about the cultivated presence. And the cultivated presence is where when you draw near, God will draw near to you. As you draw near to the Lord, as you read your Bibles, as you pray, as you devote your heart to Christ daily, as you draw near to the throne of grace, even when you don't feel like it, when you open your Bibles each day and read that portion, even when you're not in the mood. You know, when you just serve and when you just give your heart to the Lord, where you come with all your emptiness and your brokenness, and when you just bring just everything to the Lord, even your moods, your tempers, your feelings of inadequacy, you can bring all to Christ. And as we come to the Lord, we're told that as you draw near, he promises to draw near to you. And that's where we cultivate the presence of God, where we encourage our hearts, where we encourage ourselves in the Lord, and that we will know a growing of love for Jesus and a growing in grace. And so, yes, we have a responsibility Remember, Jesus said that he's coming again and he's coming for his bride. And we're told that the bride prepares herself. We're to prepare ourselves for God's coming, for Christ's coming again. And so we cultivate the presence of God. We do all that we can to experience and to go deeper with Christ. That's why we come to church, so that we can encounter his presence. And so we're to remember Jesus is present with us right now. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's here. Will you draw near? Will you remember him? Jesus, through the Gospels, remember when he came to that Last Supper, as the disciple, as he celebrated the supper with the, uh, the disciples, that Passover, which we now celebrate as the Lord's Supper, but as Jesus shared in the Passover with his disciples, remember what he said? Remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't ever forget me. You would think that the disciples would be scratching their heads. Lord, how can we ever forget you? How could we ever possibly forget you? What you've done for us, what we've seen. How many Christians have we known in life who 
have forgotten Jesus? How many people have you met who once used to come to church and now they're, they've backslidden? They seem to have no interest at all in church, in the Lord Jesus. It is possible to forget Jesus. But Jesus calls his disciples, oh, don't forget, remember me. And so as we now come to chapter 12 of Exodus, we notice that there were four things that they were to remember about this Exodus in verses 1 to 28 here of chapter 12, I want you to notice that we are to remember that God will provide a lamb. And then from verses 29 to 32, God reminds Israel, don't forget, remember that he will fulfill his promise. And they were also to remember that God will deliver his people in verses 33 to 51. And then when you come into chapter 13 of Exodus, verses 1 to 16 there, it's a reminder, don't forget, remember that God will reveal his power. Isn't that lovely? Four things they weren't to forget. Remember, God will provide a lamb. God will fulfill his promise. God will deliver his people. And God will reveal his power. And we're going to see that now happening through the next chapters in Exodus. And so as we come now to the Passover, right at the heart of this chapter, and this chapter is one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible. Right at the heart, God tells his people, don't forget the Passover. It's crucial that you remember this and let your children know this is to be never forgotten from generation to generation. It's to be an everlasting covenant. Don't forget, remember the Passover. And through centuries, Israel never forgot the Passover. Every Passover in Israel, they still remember the Exodus. So what was so special about the Exodus? Wasn't it just something that just happened in history? And why do, we, why do we have to remember it? Why did Israel have to remember the Exodus in particular? Well, we're told that it was to be a sign of a new beginning. This was the beginning of months. God was saying, this is a brand new start to your life. In fact, God says, I'm going to restart the calendar. This is going to be the new beginning. This is a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. So God was saying that this is a new beginning for Israel. Now Israel celebrate actually four new years. They have four new years. And the third one is called Shavat. And Shavat was to be celebrated. It was a reminder that the trees are about to blossom. It's, Shavat's usually celebrated in January, February. And this third new year, it was to be a reminder that the darkness is almost over. That the winter 
is almost past and that the spring is coming. The new beginning is coming. The month of Nisan is about to start. And so Shavat was the, the, the dark month. It was the winter of Israel. And so Shavat would remind them that the darkness is almost over. And after Shavat comes Nisan, the new beginning. And so when they prepared for the Passover, it was a preparation for the new beginning. Remember the ninth plague? It was the plague of darkness. And we're told that that darkness that came over Israel, it was a darkness that may even be felt. It wasn't just that the clouds had filled the sky, the dark clouds had filled the sky. It was a darkness that you could actually feel in your home as you walked the streets, as you got on with your daily life. You could just feel this heaviness, this darkness over you. And that's what the plague of darkness was in Egypt. Shavat, yes, was a winter of bondage and darkness, but it's almost over. It's almost over Israel. And so the month of Nisan would begin. The new year for Israel, a new beginning came as they celebrated Passover. And so that's why they were never to forget Passover. It was a new beginning, but not just a new beginning. It was to be a new freedom. It was to bring them into freedom, into a new joy, a new celebration of life. They would walk in a newness of life. They would know their sins forgiven. They would know peace with God. They could walk with God. And God would be walking with them as they saw the pillar of cloud during the day and the fiery pillar at night. They knew, Lord, you're with us. Your presence is with us. And wherever God went, they went. If they saw the cloud lifting up, then they had to lift up the, the tent pegs. They would carry that tabernacle. They would roll it up and they would wait till the cloud rested in a new place. And so Passover was a reminder of a new freedom. God was going to take them into a promised land, a paradise, a land flowing with milk and honey. They were to be brought into a place and it wasn't so much the phys physicalities of the land. It wasn't that God was bringing them to a place that is the most beautiful place in the world. Canaan wasn't. <laughs> but what made Canaan so beautiful was the presence of God. That's what makes heaven is God's dwelling. It's where God dwells with his people. That's heaven. And that's, is that not your prayer? Oh, may heaven come down and glory fill my soul to know the presence of God. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there, says the gospel hymn. And so here they are, coming into a place where God would dwell with his people and they would dwell with him. And what a freedom. That's why God tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Why? Just so that they can run off and do whatever they like. No, God said, let my people go. I want them into freedom to worship me, that they will know their hearts set free, because that's 
what they've been created for. That's what humanity was created for, to worship God, to glorify him. For the good Presbyterians amongst you, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We were created for the glory of God, all of you here. We were created in the image of God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that image of God was marred. It was scarred. It was polluted. And the world after was polluted. But we were created in the beginning. Oh, in that perfect image of God. We were created to be with him. To enjoy God. To love him so freely. Our hearts are empty without God. That's why people go after drugs and alcohol and pornography and all sorts of things. People are chasing after things today. It's always been. When God is not in in his place, then people will make gods out of everything else. But God wants his people set free, that they'll know their hearts full and running over. That they'll know true peace, true joy, a life with meaning, a life with purpose. And so the Passover was a reminder of the new freedom. It's interesting, isn't it, that when we put something in place of God, that thing will become a plague to us. Is that not what happened in Israel? They made gods out of things, frogs and flies and all these things. And these gods that that were created in Egypt became a plague to them. And isn't it so true that without Christ in our life, without Christ in our heart, we're plagued by sin. We're plagued with misery. We're plagued with that feeling of emptiness and loss. We're plagued by fear without Christ. Remember, it's the perfect love of Jesus that casts out all fear. When we have Christ, we have hope. When we have Christ, we have everything. To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But the Passover also meant a new life. The Passover, God promises here, new life. This was to be the springtime of Israel. This was the new beginning. New life would appear, but of course, before new life can begin, there must be a death. And of course, the tenth plague is now upon them. Death must come before new life. And we're told that this plague would affect every home, not just the Egyptians, but even Israel. There in Goshen, every home would be affected. Death. Oh, he has no favorites. Every home would know either death passing over it or death passing into it. Every home. And so you can imagine that night when 
The plague of death came. The fear that must have gripped the hearts of not just the Egyptians, but the Hebrews too. The Jewish people would have been in fear too. And we're told that this plague of death would affect the firstborn male in every family. The firstborn. And in a way, Pharaoh must have been in greater fear. When he thinks now, I'm sure fear on that night, when he remembers all these plagues that have already gone through Egypt, I'm sure he must have thought, someone's going to die in this home tonight. And he may have thought for a moment of how he tried to kill these babies, these Hebrew babies. Imagine how the father and mother felt when Pharaoh took their child and killed them in the Nile. And now a threat was coming to Pharaoh that his own firstborn could possibly die. And so the Passover was a reminder that this life from death, this new life, And as we remember the Passover today, and as we remember this was to be a time of new beginnings, do you know, a question rises in my own heart. And yes, when we read this story, we think, Lord, oh, how can I experience a new beginning? If I was there in Goshen, I would be crying. <laughs> I would be in tears. I would say, Lord, you've, you're asking us to celebrate the Passover. It's supposed to be a time of new life. But death is coming. I have a fir- my firstborn son here could die tonight. Lord, how is that a new beginning? And so God reminds Israel, oh, don't worry. Every home, I can tell you, there will be a death in every home. In Egypt, and especially in Goshen, there will be a death. Every home is going to be affected by death. But then God says to Israel, but your son does not have to die. Take a lamb. Yes, there must be a death. That when the death angel passes over, there will be a death in the home. But why don't you take a lamb? And that lamb will die in, you, in your son's place. And so God explains to Israel how they can know a new beginning. He says, take a lamb. You must take a lamb into your life and home. And you must be willing to share it with your nearest neighbors. Isn't that Interesting. The lamb must be a one-year-old male. Now, a one-year-old male means nothing to some of us who aren't maybe croftish and don't know the farming language, but a one-year-old male is a lamb in its prime, at its best. And so they were to take a, a lamb at its best, in its prime, without defect, without sin. Take a lamb without sin. Can you hear the gospel? And you're to prepare it from the 10th day of Nisan until the 15th, which is the Passover. 
the tenth day of Nisan, we call that Palm Sunday. The lamb is to be prepared on that day and then taken on, pa on the Passover on the 15th. And it's to be roasted in fire. Which, of course, you can see that picture of God's judgment upon sin. And also, can you see Satan's onslaught against Christ on Calvary? Oh, Jesus, in a sense, was roasted in fire. He is the perfect lamb. That's why John tells us in his gospel, Behold the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God. And we're to take a lamb, and then they were told, Take a lamb and apply the blood. The blood of the lamb had to be sprinkled on the tops and the sides of the doors. And then God says, When I see the blood, I will pass over. And you know, when I read that, when I see the blood of the Lamb, I will pass over. Death will not affect the home. You know, I can picture a wee boy, the firstborn in the family, going to his dad or his mum. Mum, do you think I'll die tonight? Do you think this is my last night with you all? And God reminds that family, don't worry. You will not die but live because of the lamb. Yes, someone must die tonight, but that lamb will die for you. And when I see that blood of that lamb, you're free. This is going to be a new beginning for your family. This is a new life for you. This is going to be a new freedom for you. You will escape, escape death, but someone must die. The lamb must be slain. And we're told that as the blood was to be applied, that they were then, they had to be ready to leave at any moment. Be prepared to leave. They had to be prepared to leave Egypt. They had to be prepared to leave their old life. They had to be prepared and willing to go with the Lord. It wasn't a case of inviting the Lord to go back with them into Egypt, to go back to their old lifestyle, their old habits, their old sins, and say, well, Lord, are you going to come with me then? Are you going to be with me? No, God says, you must be prepared to leave. You are to come with me. I'm not to come with you. I'm not to go wherever you want and, you to, and I'm to bless everything you want. No, are you prepared to come with me? Are you prepared to follow me? Are you prepared to be obedient to my calling upon your life? Will you come with me? Eat in haste, with sandals on your feet, staff in hand. Oh, you must be eager. You must have a heart that is set on leaving. And can I just close by saying, you know when Jesus said, remember me. When you take off, the path, when you take off communion, when you're at the Lord's table, remember me. Remember that I'm coming again. I'm coming again. But until then, we're told, get ready. 
That's your task. Until I come, be prepared to leave. Get ready for glory and be eager for my coming. And live in such a way that you will be ready for my appearing. And so Israel celebrated the Passover, a time of new beginning. Oh, today it's my prayer that all of us, and I know as I apply this to the High Kirk, we've been in this position of just waiting to hear, oh, what's going to happen to the High Kirk? Well, can I encourage you? We haven't heard a word yet, but can I encourage you to look up? Look up. Oh, be prepared just to follow the Lord. Do what you can. Serve him. Worship him. Glorify him with your life. Devote your whole life to him and that we'll be ready for his appearing. Whatever happens. Can we do that? Well, I'm going to let you have a quiet time of prayer and then Billy will lead us in our intercessory prayers. So let's pray together. Father, as we're bowed together, Lord, we pray for the victims of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, Lord. Lord, the many thousands of people who have died. We pray for the families who have been affected by this, Lord. Those who have lost loved ones, who have lost their homes, who have lost everything. Lord, we pray that the aid that has been given by all the countries around the world, Lord, will get through. Lord, apparently in some areas they're running out of food and water. That fights are breaking out between different factions because of this, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray that that aid will get through and will get through quickly. We pray too, Lord, for the countries that are war zones at this time. We think especially of the Ukraine and Congo, Lord. And we just see destruction and devastation in people's lives. Lord, we need a revival of your power and, and we just pray for a movement of your Holy Spirit throughout our land, Lord, and throughout our planet, Lord. We pray for those in our fellowship, Lord, that are bereaved at this time. Lord, those families who have, who have lost loved ones, Lord, that you will be their comforter and that you will be close to them. We pray too for those who are recovering from hospital or illness, Lord, that the recovery will go well. We pray for the housebound, Lord, that you will comfort them and be close to them, Lord. And Lord, we pray for the church situation. Lord, all these things that seem to be dark and, and hold us down. We thank you, Lord, for the words of the song that we sung earlier. We will feast in the house of Zion.
we will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things, we will say together. We will feast and weep no more. And Lord, we thank you that because Jesus died in that cross for us, Lord, we have that hope to look forward to, Lord. Let the darkness will go and your light will shine in, Lord. So we just pray for each one of us that will see that hope and feel that hope and know that you are our only hope. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, to take them and use them for the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we just pray that in these difficult times that we will lift our eyes to you. Lord, open our eyes that we might see you and feel you and know you better, Lord. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's worship the Lord together in our closing hymn, There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One.
And so may grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.